0: Welcome to Go Happenings. I'm your host, Diana McFarland. I'm here to give you a front row view of county government. You know, I think my message would be simple. If you have to think about the fact of whether I need to call 911 or not, it's probably not needed. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if it's a true emergency, you know you need some help, you know, have got somebody having breathing difficulties, if somebody's been in a traumatic incident obviously, I'm not saying, you know, don't call for that help. All
1: right. So today I'm here with Ronnie Fowler, who's the 911 manager for Pennsylvania County. Ronnie, thanks for being here. Yes, sir. Thank you. So to start out, if you could tell me a little bit more about yourself, kind of your your experience, your role with Pennsylvania County, and then a little bit more about what you do as the 911 manager.
0: Well, I grew up in the Blairs area. A lot of my family members, what have you, were members of the local fire department there, Blair's fire department mm-hmm. as a teenager i joined blair's fire department pretty much to be honest spend more time with my family mm-hmm. members dispatching was something that i had listened to a lot mm-hmm. i became interested in it and of course then i reached out and checked till they had a opening here and applied
1: and was hired and that was all the way back in 1988 <laughs> So I'm sure things have changed. As far as how things are done here, I'm sure things have changed a lot since then. Yes, sir. Quite, <laughs> quite a lot. You
0: know, back then, quite often we'd have one dispatcher on duty. Mm-hmm. Occasionally uh, we'd have two. You know, we've
1: came a long way since that day. Right. Absolutely. You know, with with that as the backdrop of, you know, you've been in this business for, for decades. Tell me a little bit about what a dispatcher does. Their
0: dispatchers here, they have a lot that they have to keep up with. Me personally, I have to make sure I have adequate staffing, spend mm-hmm. a lot of times looking at weather maps and what have you and tracking storms and trying to you know prepare and have people in place and resources available mm-hmm. in case that bad storm hits or calls increase. Uh, my my responsibility is just basically to make sure everything goes
1: smoothly. I'm a direct contact with all the fire rescue and police departments mm-hmm. that we deal with. Right. And you mentioned earlier, you know, that back when you started, there would be one dispatcher in the center at, at most times. And now I know, you know, we have four or five. So tell me a little bit about what the people who are in, in the dispatch center answering calls, you know, what are they doing? You call 911. Yeah. They say, 911, what's your emergency? emergency. Yeah. that's that's what you think of but i know there's a lot more that goes into that role so tell me a little bit about kind of what what goes into that role and what those dispatchers are doing yeah it's it's really
0: evolved into something so much more than just a secretary so to speak which is what a lot of people had labeled us for a long time mm-hmm. when dispatchers come in you know we have a shift supervisor then we have an assistant shift supervisor that could step in and be in charge if the supervisor happens to be all for away or you know, on time off or something. Right. And then we have two other dispatchers that are there. So, uh, you know, occasionally we'll have as many as five in there. Mm -hmm. At times it seems like that may not be enough. (laughs) You know, the phone rings off the hook all day and they have to answer those calls. They have to process them, put it into the computer, figure out what's needed. They go through a series of questions for all these callers, you know, try to properly gather the information as quickly and accurately as possible, and then we have to relay that information to the proper police fire rescue agency right. as quickly and accurately as we can to, you know, get the help out there as needed. Mm-hmm. Not only are they answering the calls, we also go through the protocols for police fire and rescue, right. mm-hmm. where we're actually asking questions and giving medical advice back to them, hold pressure here. Mm-hmm. Is a patient conscious? Breathing. Depending upon the answer that the dispatcher puts back into the computer, it'll prompt the next question, right. tells them what to ask, and they're better able to, uh, you know, serve the public and hopefully get the information accurately and pass it out, you know, to the volunteers. And you know, it makes a lot of difference to them too because it lets them know what kind of resources mm-hmm. they need to be responding with based on you know, what information we're dispatching
1: out. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the dispatch center plays a critical role in, in, as you said, making sure the correct resources are going exactly. in a timely manner to whatever the situation may be. So tell me a little bit about essentially just how, how the pandemic over the last year and a half has impacted the 911 center, what you guys do on a day-to-day basis.
0: It's been almost overwhelming at times. Mm-hmm. You know, the call volume alone has increased. The calls that we're getting, I think some of them it may be general flu-like symptoms. Mm-hmm. I think some of the people, especially some of the elderly or people with other underlying medical conditions, or what have you, they're in fear that you know they may have been exposed to COVID or right. actually have COVID. So they're calling. We have to treat every one of them as if they're the real deal. Try to make our
1: providers that are responding yeah. aware. Mm-hmm. And I know, I mean, generally, even I mean, before the pandemic too, call volume has been going up steadily over the last several several oh, years. Yes. So obviously it's not just the pandemic that has led to to the increase in call volume. So what what other factors play into that? What are some other things that that you all are seeing? You know, I looked
0: earlier today and we've already generated almost 25,000 police fire and rescue calls to date in Pennsylvania County. I think the general public has a misconception that if I show up at the hospital in a rescue squad or ambulance that I'm going to be seen right away. Well, that's simply far from the truth now. When you go in that door, it doesn't matter if somebody drags you in or if a rescue squad rolls you in on a stretcher. If they triage you and they look you over and they determine, hey, this patient right here can wait, there's many cases of people sitting in a waiting room six, seven, eight hours. Mm-hmm. Don't think just because they roll in on a rescue squad it's a ticket to be treated sooner because right. that's simply not the case. It's over overloading our hospitals, you know, with a lot of these cases. It could
1: probably be seen by their Personal physician, or what have you. Right. No, and I know we've been putting out a lot of communications about that recently yes, about basically asking the public to use discretion when calling 911 and not to call 911 for those minor injuries or minor illnesses. But talk to me about what are some other common examples that, that you all see here of people calling 911 where that might not be the correct response? It's not
0: uncommon for us to get a call for just a general headache, for somebody to call in with a toothache, mm-hmm. a sore foot, what have you, and then. You know, when some of the volunteers go out to the scene, it may be four or five other personal vehicles in the driveway and a host of family members (laughs) that could have easily taken this patient to be seen by, you know, a private physician or something else. And and instead of tying up the emergency services, that's some of the things that we're having to deal with. And I don't think it'll ever stop, but I just wish people would realize right now of all times, the hospitals are overloaded, they're Mm -hmm. understaffed. And that's creating a lot of diversions, meaning that the hospitals are unable to take non-critical patients. Right. And that's making their volunteers have to transport to further locations, mm-hmm. which ties them up and takes them out of the rotation to be able to handle the next true emergency
1: that may come in. Right. No, and that, that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was those diversions that you mentioned. So I know yes, sir. your center, you guys are, are dispatching the... I guess the correct resources to any emergency scene, and then also telling them once they get there where they can go. If they need to go to the hospital, which one makes the most sense based on, I'm assuming you're communicating with the yeah. hospitals, things like that. So talk to me about the complications that when these hospitals are going on diversion, one, what that means, and then two, how that how that ripples down the, the public safety chain. I
0: think one of the problems, obviously, is the time it takes to transport. If the Hospital is on a diversion, and Gretna quickly has to transport to Lynchburg or back to Danville, Sova, mm-hmm. obviously it's going to take them a lot longer to clear up to right. get to that next call than going to the closest facility. Mm-hmm. An agency like uh, Gretna, they probably transport 1,500 calls a year. Mm-hmm. So the chances of them having a call where they're gone, you know, it's it's pretty high. Right. So that means, you know, that somebody else is going to have to fall in there, take care of that call. Right. Or if they were, say, at Gretna they got paid to another call, they can simply say dispatch we're cleared up now, we'll be en route. And the same thing with the South End. If Danville Sova goes on diversion and say a Ringold or a Blair's or Mount mm-hmm. Herman that board of the city of Danville, if suddenly on, they have to transport it's a couple of miles from the city of Danville and go all the way to Gretna, or right. if they're on diversion, have to go all the way to Lynchburg, mm-hmm. you know, that that really ties that truck up. But most importantly, a lot of these guys are
1: volunteers. Right. It really, really makes a, a strain on those guys as well. Mm-hmm. If we had fully staffed career people all across the county, this would still have an effect. But that's oh, yeah. that's not the case, you know. We have public safety staff in four locations throughout the county, and then the rest is volunteer. So, what are what are your recommendations for for the public? What would be your plea to the public if they're considering if they should call nine one one or if they're dealing with something? What's what's kind of your your plea or your message?
0: You know, I think my message would be simple. If you have to think about the fact of whether I need to call nine one one or not, it's probably not needed. Mm-hmm. If you know, if it's a true emergency. You know you need some help. You know, we've got somebody having breathing difficulties, or somebody's been in a traumatic incident. Obviously, I'm not saying you know right. don't call for that help. But if you've been hurting for four or five days, it's no need calling the rescue squad at 3 a.m. to come out and get you because you've got a toothache. Right, right ankle is hurting and been hurting for 3 days and I mean we get this mm-hmm. you know con- contact a local physician I think we could all be part of the solution to try to make it better with seeking some of these other alternatives for medical treatment I think you know a lot of a lot of these could be handled without tying up the volunteers or the public safety truck and most importantly all these
1: emergency rooms out here that mm-hmm. are that are you know just overwhelmed I know you guys have to deal with with all kinds of crazy very serious Things from you know whether it be something violent or cardiac arrest or, or things where, where those seconds and minutes really matter. So it's important in those situations that all of the resources available can be put towards that. When I worked with the newspaper, I wrote a few stories involving the 911 center, and I remember Public Safety Director Slamp said that you know you guys in the dispatch center are the first are the first link in the public safety chain. So I think I think we kind of talked about what that means, and you know that you're you're the one hearing the person's call first, you know, you're hearing what what the emergency is and and making quick decisions as to what what needs to happen next, who needs to go where. So from from your experience, kind of talk to me about some of the most memorable, whether it be a single call or days that that you've had while working here and and kind of what that looks like and what your role was.
0: In my 33,
1: almost 34 year career,
0: I've seen Pretty much everything can be thrown at me. The roller coaster rides of emotions and of a day's events, you know, can mm-hmm. really get to you. The death of one of our officers that was had his wife taken many years ago, Officer Betterton. Hmm. It mm-hmm. changed me forever. If I had to define one day that changed me forever, still probably bothers me is more than any day else. Um twenty eighteen when Hurricane Michael came through, we had all the flooding. You know, we had several people that were trapped in water. Dammel was overwhelmed. Their 911 calls were coming into us. Air Mm -hmm. calls were going into them. We had hundreds of calls coming in, lots of calls we could not even answer. It was so many, and I just felt helpless that I wasn't in control. Mm -hmm. They had an incident the same day that was down in the Java community. The county special ops team was on the scene, had a lady in the water in a vehicle. Mm -hmm. They were trying to get to her, and their rescue raft, overturned through uh, three of them in the water. I think that was probably the one of the darkest moments of my career because uh, my nephew was one of them. Mm. And for 82 minutes, he was missing in the darkness, swept away. We had already had one fatality in the water earlier that day. Provider called in on the phone. He said, there's no way he made it. The water's too strong. He's gone. I got up and I told them, I said, y'all got to handle this. I need y'all to do your best. And... I went in the back, and uh, I removed myself from the situation because obviously I don't think I could have handled it professionally as I needed to. In all honesty, we thought he was gone, Mm -hmm. and 82 minutes later we took a 911 call, and it was him. A neighbor had heard him hollering for help down in the river and was able to get to him and threw him a rope Mm -hmm. and pulled him in, and he called 911 himself to let us know he was okay. So, you know, you go from – Busy, crazy, hectic to really thinking that, you know, somebody that you cared about was gone and that maybe your best wasn't good enough. And I, that's something that's stuck with me today. And that's why I've always tried to keep up with storms and what have you and
1: make sure we have enough help and resources here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I remember. I mean, I wasn't here for that day, but definitely have heard heard all all kinds of stories. Well, Ronnie, that's that's all the questions that I have. I mean, is there anything else that that you would want to add, or any any parting messages you would have to the public? The thing I'd like to stress the most is don't hesitate to call for help if you need that help.
0: Obviously, make that call to help air providers to help them find you quickly. You got to realize these guys are rolling up in snowstorms at night mm-hmm. in the rain. You need to have your address visible at the end of the road on your mailbox or what have you out at the driveway. If you live off the road, mm-hmm. have it you know, lit up where if you can't see it at night driving by at 50 miles an hour, they're not going to see it. So right. it ties us up having to you know, call back for directions or looking on their map. Limit mm-hmm. the calls to 911 if it's not needed. If you can go to a regular physician, Medical Express, something like that, make those appointments and go, you know, but like I say, don't think it just cause you roll up in a rescue squad, you're going to get help at the hospital because right. that's not the case. But I think we're gaining some ground on the COVID situation, but we're definitely not out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, just pray that hopefully we can put this all behind us and, you know, our staff can get back to normal and, uh,
1: handle things the way we used to before Mm -hmm. no absolutely well we we really appreciate the hard work that you guys do here and and making sure that all of our volunteers and and public safety staff have the right information and know where to go with what resources so ronnie i appreciate it thank you very much
0: thank you for listening to pitco happenings i hope you learned something informative if you have a question or want to make a comment give me a call or send a text to 434-489-8739